Hey everybody, Russell here. Thanks so much for listening to Chapter 5 of The Tim Story. Not a whole lot for me off the top here before we get into the story itself. We will be back with regular Season 5 episodes next week, uh, and the week after that, and the week after that for the rest of the year, uh, and then we will move in to 2023, uh, and um, everything that that will bring. So exciting uh, to get to another another year uh, with the show. Thank you so much for sticking with us through all of it, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, Beth's shop is open. Uh, BethBRad.shop uh, is open currently uh, through the rest of the year, I believe, at least. Uh, you can get d and d artwork there. Uh, the, the logo prints would definitely be my recommendation. Um, there are more um, there are more t-shirts and, uh, stickers there as well. Uh, and that is the best way to, uh, support Beth, uh, and her artwork for the show, uh, is to go to bethbrad.shop and, uh, get stuff there. Uh, the season four poster is, uh, already, the pre-order is already sold out. So thanks to everybody who, um, did that. And Beth has her other, uh, work available there as well, her Vogue Pantry series, um, and her Foul Birds, as well as, um, some other big, uh, larger format stuff. Speaking of Beth's art, it will be emblazoned upon some t-shirts that will be coming out to our Patreon, uh, t-shirt club members, uh, here at the end of the year. Uh, Beth is finishing up those designs, and we are going to get those out. Um, so check that out, patreon.com slash dndndpod. Uh, if you want to support the show, uh, get ad-free episodes, the uh, four t-shirts a year, uh, merch, we have uh, those available over at the Patreon. All right, that's it for now. So without any further delay, we're going to get into the next chapter. So thanks, everybody. Do what's fun. Enough, a voice called out. She could barely hear it over the throbbing pain in her back. Nessica used all her strength to appear composed for the overseer, knowing that pompous pachyderm wouldn't be inclined to help a drow. As soon as Tim steered the cart out of sight, she collapsed into the blood-soaked planks of her cargo bed and tried not to move. Every pebble under the wheels felt like a fresh stab, and it wasn't long before the dizzying strain was too much. She lost consciousness before Tim pulled up outside the doctor's building, and when the tall man in the dark coat interrupted the showdown between the workers and the guards, she had no idea what was happening. It could have been her uncle's voice, or at least that's what Nessica's mind believed in the moment, as blurry shapes moved in front of her tear-filled vision. She remembered him saying that, yelling it, to the entire assembly at her sentencing. The stunning proclamation reverberated through not just her cohort, but the instructors and the villagers, too. While news of Nezika's transgression had been a topic of hot gossip when it first spread, no one in her clan expected much in the way of punishment. Nezika always got away with a little bit more than she should, given the status of her uncle. Nebri and Naharis was appointed chief arbiter in his fifties, 
which made him quite the wonder kid as far as elven peoples are concerned. By the time Nessica was born, Nebrian already amassed a reputation as a statesman, scholar, and sorcerer that surpassed any in the history of their clan. All that left little time for family, however, so he doted on his niece from day one. Some of the bolder, or drunker, villagers would say that the demon lord Enuol fought Nebrian for three days, didn't land a blow on him, but Nessica pierced his heart as a babe. So when she stood in front of the council that day, the expectation was a slap on the wrist, perhaps a repeat of the trial, or, at worst, an entire year's study. Even that seemed extreme, though. The chief arbiter would never set his darling niece back an entire year from her peers, even if she was a thief. Enough! Nebrian bellowed. Everyone will please quiet down, or you will be asked to leave. As if it were rehearsed, the watchmen at the entrances to the theater tapped their spear points on the ground, and the gasp and exclamations turned to murmurs and whispers. Uncle! Nessica started to plead from the accused box, but Nebrian held up a hand. Don't! Don't you uncle me here, young lady. It seems even after you've heard the severity of the sentence, you still do not understand the severity of the crime. I was just trying to... You were trying to take a shortcut. Again. Like you always do. Like you always have done. And where have your shortcuts led you, Nessica? But uncle, you can't... Send me away just... Just for... Just for what? Just for stealing a little... Nebrian held up his hand again, and Nessica quieted. My niece, you disappoint me so. You're not being exiled for stealing. You violated more than just the laws of ownership when you defiled your entry into the trials with your... stunt. But who cares if I took a... I care! Nessica realized this was the first time they had spoke to each other since the trials. It was supposed to be the culmination of her magical training, a celebration of channeling desire to find the moment when want and need are one, of tapping into the spaces between things to create something new to fulfill that request. Instead, Nessica used her magic to find something that didn't belong to her, Something real that already existed and belonged to somebody else. It's easy to find something real if you know where to look. Most children start to use their abilities by nicking desserts from the tray or spoiling the surprise of a birthday present too early. Nessica was always drawn to the real world and how their magic could impact it. Take an object from one place, move it to another. Something interesting is guaranteed to happen. According to the Arbiters, however, true power lies in creation. Leading up to the trials, Nezuka struggled with the magic. Her mind always drifted toward the world around her. But she used her magic to, say, move a river to better irrigate crops, or bring a herd back from migration out of season. She'd pluck a demon lord out of its lair and drop it into the ocean. That was maybe too much but a governor. Nessica wanted to show off. She wanted to prove she could do something big in this world. 
And even though finding something is easy if you know where to look, taking something is an entirely different challenge. Nessica thought the difficulty of navigating a gauntlet of counterspells, failsafes, and booby traps would impress the council. She wanted to seem clever, to stand out. Even in the world of shadows, her uncle's was vast. She wanted to cast her own. Now she'll get to... in exile. Nebrian took a deep breath and attempted to switch back to Chief Arbiter after letting his paternal feelings show so publicly. You made a mockery of your ability to find... Well, my dear, you will find much on the road. You will find the North quite a different place from our own. You will find that your magic will not help you. You will find this smell to be quite unpleasant, sorry. That's odd, she didn't remember him saying, Ah! Nessica shuddered as she inhaled a sharp, putrid scent like stale cat urine. Apologies for waking you when you most certainly could have used some rest. But I need to ask you a few questions. Nessica blinked furiously for a moment and rubbed the smell from her nose. She looked up in the direction of a voice that was not her uncle's to see a sharp, beak-nosed face staring down at her from several feet above. His dark coat stood out against his rough, lilac skin. In one large, long hand, stick-like fingers held a corkstopper. In the other was a small bottle of dark glass with chunks of a white stone inside. He stoppered the bottle and set it on a nearby table. Then he lit the end of a bundle of herbs on fire and, shaking it out, let the end smoke. That should help with the smell. What? What, what, what is going on? Where, where's Tim? Your human is waiting for you outside. My name is Hyvior. I'm a doctor. You're a gargoyle, but you don't have wings. And you're a drow, but you don't have a lot of your blood. Or didn't. I gave you some fluids, but you were pretty out of it. What are you doing in the black box? How about you answer that question for yourself, and I'll get to work on fixing your wounds. Then we'll see where this conversation takes us, huh? Let's start with your name, perhaps. Now that the shock from the smelling salts had worn off, she was once again feeling the pain in her back. That sounds fair. Nessica. Right. Let's carefully turn you, Nessica. There we go. Something about the way he said it reminded her of Tim. Her eyes darted around the room, looking for a window. The exam room, however, was windowless. All she saw was shelves, cabinets, racks, and their incredible contents. Vials and jars, beakers and burners, saws and scalpels, all shining and polished to almost glowing. They reflected plenty of torchlight from a torch burning in a fixture surrounded by a brilliant mirror. Once they repositioned her, Hyvior adjusted the mirror to better focus on her wounds. I... I'm on a quest. My uncle is the chief arbiter of my clan, and he tasked me with something incredibly important. I, I'm sorry, I, I can't say too much about it. But the human is aiding me. We were investigating our query when we were attacked by a, a carrion lion. 
Nessica chose her words carefully. She was speaking to a shelf on the opposite side of the room. Javier was behind her, getting to work. I can see that. Hmm. Was it your human who made poultices? Uh, yeah, I'm afraid so. He's, um, he's new. Really? Well, you may have made it a lucky hire. The botanical knowledge showcased is quite special. I'm not sure I've seen anything like it. Well, if you can say one thing about Tim, he was a surprise. Indeed. Ha! Nasica flinched. What are you doing? Apologies. As fine work as this is, I need to clean and stitch these gashes. You're quite fortunate they weren't any deeper. Don't I know it. Look, I don't mean to be rude, but we can, can we cut to the chase here? Is it going to be a potion, or is, is this more of a laying on of hands? Nessica heard the clink of utensils being set down from behind her. A drawer opened. A bottle was uncorked. Unfortunately, Miss Nessica, I'm unable to practice magic. Here, anyway. There's something about the oil secreted by these trees. It creates some kind of null field. You must have felt it yourself, no? She hadn't felt it. Of course, she hadn't felt a nullification of her magic because it was already so weak. It must have been the blood loss. Interesting hypothesis. Now you'll feel a little pinch, but then your back will go numb. That's supposed to happen. What do, you, what do you mean by... Ah! Uh, are you sure you're helping me back there? I'm putting a lot of faith in a misty gargoyle with no wings. His mind focused more on the work than her in that moment. His mind focused more on the work than her in that moment. He responded, Trust me, I do not work for them. Do you really think they would hire a doctor? I can hardly believe they tolerate my presence at all. Though I suppose it does keep their labor force working. The humans may seem an inexhaustible resource, but they are not. There. Can you feel that? Feel what? Excellent. Just going to start stitching you up now. Stitching? Yes, don't worry. The thread will be removed. But I cannot magically seal the wounds, so I must manually seal them. You may scar, but I'm quite good. They'll be faint. As the doctor sewed, Nessica felt the slightest of pinches each time he pulled the thread. He was good, or as far as she could tell. So if you don't work for them, why are you here? When I lost my wings, I wasn't sure where to go or what to do. Seeing the world from ground level put a lot of things into perspective, and I decided I wanted to do some good. That simple, huh? Need it be more complicated? A quest for your uncle seems simple as well. 
And yet, rather than a cohort of your clan's folk, you travel with a human dressed in rags with a sword bearing an emblem not known in the north. My own predicament is far less curious than yours. I, I don't know if I would call it curious. Well, it it's true. I'm not familiar with it exactly where he came from. Tim's appearance is from a run-in with a, a gelatinous cube. It, it burned his clothes off. Y- you know how it is. Nessica once again danced around the full truth. Not sure if she could completely trust the doctor. That would be in line with the burns I observed when I brought you inside. Interesting. You've traveled from the Gentor Road, then. We have. Nasika thought about everything that's happened since they left that road in search of Tim's bow and his theory that led them to this place. Maybe the patrolman who took the bow did come through here. Oh, uh, we're, we're seeking a, a particular object of great value. We believe it may have been taken by a, a gator patrolman? The, the patrol was attacked, hence the carrion lion. But Tim, my, my human, tracked one in this direction. H- have you treated any, any gator men for light, lightning burns recently? Lightning? No. No patrolmen either. I must ask. Why haven't you used your magic to obtain this item? It doesn't work like that, snapped Nessica. Javier stopped working for a moment, and Nessica could feel him staring. Look, it... it that's, what, that's what it is. Need it be more complicated? She shot back at him mockingly. Understood. So you seek this item manually much as I work. I suppose we're kindred spirits, then. Just two lost souls helping the helpless. T- t- look, t- Tim's helping me. He- he's my human. Of course. Again, you were lucky to have him. These should heal nicely. I'm almost done. Y- yeah. They were silent for the next few moments as Javier finished the last few stitches. He set down his tools and brought a fresh cloth from a drawer. Hold this here a moment if you can reach. Yes, thank you. Nessica held the bandage at an awkward angle and turned around to face Javier, who had crossed the room to a workbench that would have cleared Nessica's head, but it only came to Javier's chest. If... Someone were to have a desirable object in this town. Is there a place someone would go to redistribute it? The questions felt clumsy. She didn't really see the full picture yet, but Tim believed there could be a possibility. One of his clues. There is one, a proprietor of such things. As he spoke, he broke some of Tim's poultice in a mortar, then dumped its contents onto a small mirror. 
He held that mirror closer to the light and inspected the bits with a magnifying glass. Elvira. Not too far from here. A nasty creature. If you are insistent on pulling that thread, I would recommend you pursue it with your human at a distance. Elvira is a serpentar. Even with the elixir, humans are sensitive to her. And she's somehow unaffected by the oil. A dream eater? I I don't know. You asked. Javier set down the glass, removed a wrap from another drawer and came over to Nessica. He wrapped the bandage to hold it in place. That should do it. Leave the stitches in for a week and try to keep it. Here, drink this. He handed her a cup of tea. Thank you. Doctor? Yes. Speaking of the elixir, you don't have any, do you? Elixir is highly regulated these days. No, no one outside the governor's offices knows exactly what goes in it. Why do you ask? Surely a guard legally hired would be inoculated. I, I guess it's wearing off. That's what he tells me. I, I don't know. It doesn't wear off. Sometimes I wish it did. There are side effects that make me wonder if the nightmares would be worth it. But I can't pretend to know for sure. Jessica thought about Tim shaking in the night, about his bleary eyes and long face, about the shadow he described seeing, and about how much worse they may get. Is there anything you can do? Javier stood up, took a long, deep breath, he looked at Nessica, then back to his workbench where he set down the broken poultice. I've spent the last twenty years studying the alternative medicines, the old ways, the non-magical ways. I've learned to mix, bottle, boil, brew, saw, and sew. He looked at her then and took a step toward her, his towering frame almost leaning over her. The elixir is a treatment, but it is not a cure and it comes with its own costs. Truly defeat this strange affliction. Well, there is a way, but it is dangerous and it is not guaranteed to succeed. However, he smiled and rows of tiny, sharp teeth reflected in the lamplight. Without risk, there is no reward. What's his cure, then? What makes it so dangerous? There is a special ingredient, a rare and elusive ingredient. If you and your human obtain this, I will be able to perform a procedure that could end his nightmare affliction. What's in it for you, Doc? For the cure? For helping me today? Why do all of this? My price has two parts. First... You must promise me that when you are able to perform your spell, you will try to procure me a new set of wings. I, I told you it doesn't... Then there will be no cure. Fine. Uh, I, I will do my best when I am able to perform my spell to replace your wings. 
What's the second part? You must answer my next question with complete honesty. Jessica hesitated. What could he possibly ask next? Had she given too much away? Does he know her clan somehow? He, he knows about drow magic, but that's not a secret, even if most folk don't understand it. Still, her uncle had a reputation. Perhaps his legends, perhaps his legends had reached this far. Maybe he'd noticed the cart and Budo were stolen. No, that couldn't have been it. She replaced the reins and bridle, and her blood would have covered up any other identifying marks on the cart. Does he know she can barely do magic at all? What kind of trap was he setting with his first request? What does he know about her? Okay. Is your friend Tim from this world or another? D&D&D is a Moorpark Media podcast and a Spotify preferred partner. Written and edited by me, James Gressel. D&D&D is performed by James A. Janice, Chelsea Rebecca, Beth Bradloff, and Mike Sagan.